0: Acts chapter number 23, if you would, Acts chapter uh, 23 this evening, and we're gonna uh, take a look here at uh, this, where we're at. This is the Apostle Paul is, um just been arrested. Now that's not uh, something that would be very pleasant to any of us, but he was arrested for uh, really jealousy of, of the Jews. They didn't they didn't, the establishment there didn't like what he was preaching, and so they came up with various uh, charges against him. And uh, just as a reminder, this isn't really going preach on, but I, I, I did preach on this verse. I, I remember this verse, and I looked back, I think it was back in 2008, but uh, just look at verse number 11. This is just a little bit of encouragement here. He was in jail for a night, which had happened before. So he'd been through that before, but then he was in jail a second night. And you ever, you ever been in that situation where something happens, you think, all right, kind of this is under control. And then something else happens, you realize, oops, this is something different than what I've dealt with before. Well, that's what Paul is dealing with. And there's a lot of question marks as to why he, how he got here. I mean, a lot of things that could have come up in Paul's mind. But like verse 11 it says in the night following the lord stood by him it was it was not the first night of course the lord was there but the night following where paul realized things have changed this is different this is something unique and we we can look at it as i when i teach the book of acts i'll call this his fourth missionary journey that he was he began on here but the lord had a purpose for it still even even in the jail sale, the Lord had a purpose. We, we think that God only has a certain purpose in a certain type of box sometimes. But you know, if the world, the flesh, the devil, if all of it rips the sides off of the box and puts us somewhere else, God can still have a purpose. Amen. And God can still work and he can still be with us. And the Lord confirmed that to Paul when he told him, be of good cheer. He said, "For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome." Anyway, that was just that was free. That was uh, 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 the the prequel to the message, I guess. Anyway, but uh, let's look at verse chapter twenty three and verse and verse one at the beginning of this. So Paul had at this point had already um, been he'd been arrested, and and it's kind of an interesting story, really. There's a A Roman guy there, Roman soldier that's in charge of keeping peace there, and they've got all sorts of disputes going on about uh, what you know, having to do with the Jewish law. I mean, things where things are being accused, and this poor guy—it's very clear when you read it—he has no idea what they're talking about. He has no clue what they're what they're dealing with. He just knows that there's about to be a riot. If there's a riot, it gets reported. And then it gets reported, and it gets reported, and then I get in trouble. That's, that's kind of all. And so he thought, I have a great idea. I'm going to bring this guy into the Sanhedrin, and let him, and they'll deal with it, and let them take care of it. And then it turned into another disaster, and it was maybe a worse disaster than the first. And so this is when Paul began to speak to the Sanhedrin here. And I want you to look at him and hear what, hear what he had to say here. He says, And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, and note this, he said, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. So Paul, as he stands there, he's got a certain calmness about him. And he's got a certain, uh, a certain confidence, not though in himself. And I want to make it clear, not talking about arrogance here at all but he has a confident confidence that comes from this. He says, I have lived in all good conscience before God. Now I want you to turn to chapter 24. This is over uh, one chapter. It's a different scene, but it's similar. He's uh, the, the time before the Sanhedrin did not go very well. He had to be taken out of there. There was a plot against Paul to have him put to death. So he was sent on to Felix, who was a governor there. And so now he is before Felix. He's presenting his case uh, yet again. And look at verse number 16. He says, and herein do I exercise myself to have always, and notice, to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. And so he's standing there and he is staring uh, down these men. I mean, he's in a situation he didn't ask to be in. He was wrongfully accused to even be in the situation there. There's no doubt that he was being mistreated and, and, and things were not going the way that he would have planned it. But he was able to stand there with calmness. Why, why? Because he had a good conscience before God and before men. Let's pray. Lord, help us now as we take a look at the, the Apostle Paul here at this juncture in his life. And Lord, thank right now. If suddenly our circumstances have changed, do we have a confidence in you? Because our conscience is right before you. We thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, it's easy to go about it's easy to go about life and kind of be comfortable with things, isn't it? You know, to kind of and and, and to feel like you know things are okay and I'm okay and I'm fine. And yeah, you know, we we're we're believers that we believe in the Lord. But I wonder sometimes if our confidence is in the fact that things are going okay sometimes rather than being in the fact that God's in charge and and God's in control Paul here was able to stand here because his conscience was right before God you know sometimes people have different ideas about a conscience but I want to get into a bunch of details about it but uh, as far as you know the specifics of man I mean we get into we're spirit soul and body and all all those things, but I want to say this simply, you know, we're gifted with a conscience. You know, our conscience is a gift from God. Yeah, that's right. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, immediately they knew there was something wrong there. Immediately they were uh, trying to hide from God and, and God, and, and it, it shows that there was a conscience that was present there. And that's a good thing. You know what it shows me? The fact that God gave us a conscience. It shows us that God is interested in us doing the right things. Not only that, God is interested in us having a right relationship with him. You know, if he didn't care about us, he'd say, all right, just go live however you want. I'm never, gonna, I'm never going to convict a sinner. I'm never going to, I'm never going to make, you know, steer someone in the right direction. I'm never going to prick their conscience. I'm never going to do that. Just let them go off and destroy themselves themselves but he doesn't do that. He gives us a conscience, something that he can work in to to help us to know the difference between right and wrong. In Romans chapter number two, verses 14 and 15, uh, the Bible says, for when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness. And their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another so he talks about that that inward witness now now just because someone listens to their conscience doesn't mean they're saved but it's that that inward witness is there of the truth Paul knew what it was like to have an afflicted conscience you know it's not when we hear him say this in chapter 23 and chapter 24 we should remember that he knew what it was like to have an afflicted conscience and And when he was on the road to Damascus, persecuting Christians, the the Bible says this in Acts chapter nine, verse five. And uh, the Lord asked him, he said, who art thou? Or or Saul says, who art thou Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. So here was Paul, then he was called Saul. And he lived a life that was uh, just eagerly Antagonistic to the things of the Lord. I mean, he was the kind of guy that you would never think nothing. That guy's got it all together. He is convinced of his of his ways. He's wrong, but he's convinced of it, and he is confident in it, and he's cocky in it, and he's arrogant in it, and he's and he's self assured in it. And there's no way to convince him of anything else. But underneath all of that, do you know what was happening? His conscience was being pricked by the Holy Spirit every time he went against a uh, an unbel- every time he went against a believer. Every time he threw someone in prison. Every time he persecuted the church, he knew it was wrong. God was dealing with him, and God was troubling his conscience. He had he he was bold and daring on the inside, but inwardly he was kicking against that which he knew was right. A lot of people live troubled lives because they are trying to ignore a troubled conscience. You know, that's why sin, I'm talking about around us. There, there, there's a lot of comfort actually to be gained from where we're going tonight, but I'm just, just thinking about this. The sin that's all around us, you see it in this world, it is always, notice, it's always accompanied with anger. Why is that? Well, troubled, troubled lives, Come from people who are trying to ignore a troubled conscience (laughs) and and they can't get they can't find peace everybody everybody you know there's there's a path that Satan presents and young people remember this that says hey listen you're here if you could only have this then you'll be okay you'll be at peace you'll have you'll have happiness and so that convinces them to take another path another step down that path of destruction and they're still unsettled. And, uh, and it's presented, hey, if you take another step, then you'll have peace. And then you'll have, then you'll have joy and you'll have happiness. And they take that step and it's still not there. And, and uh, remember that, especially our young people, remember that the only way to, to have peace in your conscience is to have a right relationship with your God. And so here uh, stood the apostle Paul. And he would stand in this troubled situation. But he had everything here, think about it. He had everything here that he did not have when he was younger. He had everything here that he did not have when he was on the road to Damascus. He had everything he did not have when he was persecuting Christians. He had calmness. and He had peace. And he had even joy. And he had an understanding that the Lord was with him. Why? Because he knew in his very soul, he knew that he was right with his God. Now, it'd be good, wouldn't it, if we could look down the road and go, you know what? On such and such a day, in such and such a year, I better make sure that I'm in a good place with God on that day. It would be good if we could do that, wouldn't it? Maybe practically it would be good, but really it wouldn't be good. There's, there's probably a few procrastinators in this room. I know, I know I I can be that way if I if I choose to be. You know, we would tend to put things off. The reality is, we like Paul, we don't ever know when we're gonna have to when we're gonna have, have to not just rely on how good things are going in the moment, but we're gonna have to rely on knowing the presence of God and his presence there with us and being able to trust it and being able to to know that he's going to help us and being being able to ask him without a twinge of conscience, not being able to think about who we're going to have to get things right with. We just know that we're right with God. You know know this, listen, this is a comforting thing. God wants his people to be right with him. And it's not an arrogant thing for someone to know that they're right with him. Now, I, I'm not saying we're going to be, or per, Anybody's perfect, but, but know that, you know, there's people that live tortured lives because they torture themselves. But you know, you look at the example of Paul, which was a man just like we are, we're a person. And he, he was very clear that he kept a conscience that was clean before the Lord. In 1 Timothy chapter number 1, verses 18, 19, and 20, he wrote this to Timothy. He said, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went on, which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. He told Timothy, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck." He said, There's some that have not held on to the faith. He's not talking about losing one's salvation, but some that have not held on to the faith. They've also ignored their they've ignored any desire to really be right with God. They're, they're living because the circumstances seem to be okay and good. He says, which some having put away concerning the faith have made shipwreck, and then he mentions a couple of names there that he delivered unto Satan, that they may not may learn not to to blaspheme. But he he implored Timothy. He says, holding faith and a good conscience. Now, when Paul wrote both First and Second Timothy, he was further down the road than he is in Acts chapter number uh, number twenty three. He was closer to the executioner's block at that point, and he still has uh, confidence, and he still has joy, and he still has peace. Why? Because he had confidence that he was right with the Lord. He had a a conscience that was void of offense. I want you to see here and think about the Paul's comfort, the comfort of his conscience. In verse 1 that we, we read here, he's got this daunting task in front of him. And he's defending himself before people who had power to do great harm. And it's easy to look at what got him to this point and have some questions. That's not the purpose of the message this evening. But as he stood there, he was able to stand in confidence that he was right with God in his confidence and here in his conscience. And here was the accusations where he was, you know, blaspheming the law, and blaspheming Moses, and they were coming up with all these things saying, you're not right with God. But in his conscience, he knew nothing. There's nothing between my soul and the Savior. Amen. Paul Think about his statement here that I have lived in all good conscience before God. It meant that Paul knew that he was saved. He was convinced of that. There were, there were no doubts. He would tell Timothy later on, he would say, I know whom, we, we, there's a song written after this. He says, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed. Amen. Lately, We've been there you know, in, in different situations, and many of you have, or, and uh, you've seen folks who, are, who have struggled through health issues and things of that nature, and you know what? To know that there's a confidence of one's salvation there is a tremendous comfort that one brings. You know, if somebody, if somebody were in here tonight, maybe listening online, and there's not a confidence in your conscience that you're saved you need to make it sure, all right? You need to you need to know it. I remember uh, some time ago was was asked by someone to visit a loved one and not someone that I'd ever that I'd ever met before. And we went in there and, and this dear lady was was really just a, not that far from death. And there was a church background and there was a Bible background of some sort, but in that she had never really been properly taught the scriptures, but She basically, it was very, very blunt. So basically, I want to know that I'm ready to meet the Lord. And as we looked at the scriptures, uh, and uh, she was able to use the scriptures to gain that confidence. See, it's not self-confidence. It's always based on God and his word. She was able to get that confidence that that she was indeed born again, that that Jesus was was her savior, and she was able to go to the Bible for that, and that settled it in her conscience. You know, I walked away from that thing, and you know, it's a shame that that dear lady had that struggle in her, her conscience about whether she was right with the Lord in that way at that point. You know, it's better now to make that sure. I'm very sensitive to matters of doubt when it comes to one's salvation. I will never, I will never want to be the source of anyone's doubt. Because I don't think it's my place. I don't, know, I don't know who's saved and who's not saved, but God does. Amen. But if for some reason there was someone who, who might find themselves in a place of doubt, that is not a something to ignore. That is something to make sure of so that when things turn in a way that they turn here for the Apostle Paul, you can stand there with a confidence in your conscience you go, my conscience is right before the Lord. My conscience is good before the Lord. You see, they would have thought of him as, you know, being a lawbreaker and therefore he cannot be right with God. They would have thought of him as being one who despised the temple and therefore he cannot be right with God. But you're talking here about the very one who the Holy Spirit used to write, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ or say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved to that Philippian jailer talking to the very one who wrote the book of Romans through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He understood what it meant to be saved. They were the ones with a conscience problem. He wasn't. He had a conscience that he knew was right with God. He knew he was saved. There were no doubts that he knew he was right with God. He wasn't full of pride, but there was nothing between him and his Savior. He knew that he was right with man he said he, he said um, in in uh, chapter number uh, 20 of uh, uh, 24 where we read he says to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and towards man he knew he was right with man this doesn't mean that everybody was happy with him but he had he had done his best to fulfill his biblical responsibility towards those that are around him you know Think, think about how simple this is. How much comfort can come. Think Paul or what he needed at this point. How much comfort can come from maintaining a conscience that is right with both God and man. <laughs> you know, the Bible helps us with these things, doesn't it? Things such as not letting the sun go down upon our wrath. You know, in our homes... Don't let things linger. Don't let things sit around. Don't let things fester. Take, take care of them in, a, in an appropriate way. Don't, don't, uh, don't you know, turn things into something they shouldn't be, but take, them, take care of them in an appropriate way. Make sure that uh, folks know where you stand. It's not, it's not worth it holding things over people's head. People are, people are great grudge holders, aren't they? But you know, oh, when you think about Paul here, things can change quickly, can't they? Things can change quickly in a moment of time, and you, won't, you think, well, I'm just kind of playing a game here, and I'm, that, I'm, I'm just trying to get a point across to that person. Paul said, oh, I lived, he lived free in his conscience as one that was right before God and one that was right before man. Amen. When dealing with things that are daunting and we don't know what to do, having a good conscience before God is a very helpful thing. You know, being able to to have that meeting, knowing that the Lord's presence is freely there with you. Now, we know, okay, he's everywhere. We know that. But knowing that he's there and that you're conscious and that you're right with God is helpful and it's a comforting thing. It's hard to live in the fear of man when we are right with God. I mean, you think about it. we We get all all wound up, and, and for a good reason. I mean, you know, we think about, maybe you don't think about this, but I probably think about this. You know, what if the, the you know, we have to even talk, the, if somebody calls and they're a reporter, if somebody, you know, what, what do you have to, what do you say? What do, you know where I think it should always start? Make sure that you're right with God. <laughs> You know, if we're right, then we can speak the truth according to the scriptures and, and with a clean conscience and know, and know that God's the one that we're trying to please. Not, not man, not, man not, other, not other people are trying to please him. Paul was standing before people who would love to, to tangle him up in what he was saying, but he knew that he was right with God at the end of the day. He knew that he was doing what was pleasing to the Lord. Amen. We can put fear in its proper place. Because we have a confidence in the Lord when our conscience is clear that is not possible with a conscience that is troubled. You know, I'm talking tonight predominantly to save people, or at least folks that, that profess to be saved. And, you know, with that, that being the case, I'm not talking about whether we've lost our salvation or not. But I'm talking about knowing that our walk is what it's supposed to be with the Lord and our conscience. And when thinking about that, you think, I think about a child. Many in here are parents. You ever, you ever walk in a room and a child tell on themselves? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure all my kids get nervous <laughs> when I start talking. <laughs> I'm not telling it, don't worry, no stories, all right? But you ever walk in a room, and I mean, especially when they're, and it's just, it's the look on their face it's the it's the conversation they can't help but have and maybe in your humanity you don't you're not god you don't know what happened you didn't even know it but it's there and there's some there's some issue and there's some problem and it and it and it kind of has to be dealt with you know that's how we are as god's children when when we're not doing the right thing when our conscience isn't right you know what we should be praying but we're not really we're not really able to because there's something that needs, to be, that needs to be dealt with. We know he's with us, but we don't have that confidence that we should. Why? Because there's something that needs to be dealt with. Paul stood here and he said, I've lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Paul's comfort of conscience. It brought him comfort and brought him help there. I want you to notice, secondly, the accountability of his conscience. I, I stopped reading in chapter 23 and verse 1 on purpose, I want to now read verses two through five because you see how Paul, you see a great example of how Paul kept his conscience where it needed to be play out right in front of us. It's kind of an interesting story, and it's one that honestly none of us in here can relate to, but let's read it. He said, and the high priest Ananias commanded them that they stood by him, commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall. For sittest thou to judge me after the law, and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law? And they that stood by said, revilest thou God's high priest? Then said Paul, I wist not, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. So think about the scene here. Now again, this is what I said you and I can't really relate to this. (laughs) He's sitting in an interrogation. He's completely, we'll say, incarcerated. He's under their control. A guy in the room says, hit him in the mouth. You know what we do if that happens? We go, I want my lawyers to have the surveillance footage immediately because (laughs) this is going to court. But this was a different scenario here. And he speaks out, he lashes out, and when you look at it, you go, well, why wouldn't he? I mean, he didn't deserve any of this. I mean, he was, he was being falsely accused to begin with, and on top of that, you got some guy here in the room telling somebody else to come up and hit me in the face. And so he, 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 he lashes out at him, and, and by the way, look, look, at, look at what he says, he says, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall. That's, that's, a, that's a very similar, he's in the Sanhedrin, full of Pharisees and Sadducees are the two groups that are there. Now why did, Walt it's a very similar accusation that Jesus even leveled against them. He called them uh, uh, sepulchers full of dead men's bones. Why did, and and they would paint those sepulchers gleaming white on the inside. They were just full of dead men's bones. They were were hypocrites is what they were. And so he was even kind of, uh, you know, you could say drawing from something that Jesus said in his accusation here. But then he basically, I think from the way I read it, apologizes. But why is that? Well he said, I wish not, for it is written. In other words, see, what does that mean? So what God says in his word, I shouldn't have said what I said. Now, I we're talking about the accountability here of his conscience. You know how Paul was able to say what he would say, what he said and Chapter 23 and verse 1, you know why he was able to say what he said in chapter 24 and verse 16? You know why he was able to write to Timothy what he wrote in both 1st and 2nd Timothy? We'll probably read another verse or two about this matter of the conscience later on, even later on in his life. You know why? Because he didn't let things pile up on it. He dealt with things immediately. He He didn't sit there and stew and go, this guy deserved, I know, and grapple with the, what the scriptures said versus his interpretation of what happened and go, you know what, I, you know, for right now, it's what he deserved. You know? And then later cool off and then later have to feel bad. No, no, he dealt with it right away as it happened. Paul wasn't perfect. You and I aren't perfect. You know how to keep, maintain an accountability with our conscience is this. One preacher said it this way, to keep short accounts with God. Amen. Don't let sin lay around. Don't let, don't let bad thoughts lay around. Don't let bad attitudes lay around. Don't let, don't let wrong anger stew and and stay around. Deal with it immediately. Deal with it right away. Get it off the slate right away. Don't, don't let things pile up. Don't let things uh, burden us down. We might say he had the right to be angry, but he refused to be angry at the expense of his conscience. You think about what he was here? In the flesh, we say, Paul, you had a right to respond the way that you responded. But when you see this, what you see is he was more interested. He was more interested in being right with God than exercising even his right here in the flesh to respond. He wanted to know that he was pleasing to the Lord. Don't let things pile up on your conscience. Why? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. We see his accountability of conscience. And and then the Bible gives us a very clear path to a clean conscience. Paul kept his conscience clean up until the time that he would meet the Lord. In 2 Timothy, I want to read a couple of verses from 2 Timothy. First is 2 Timothy chapter number 1 and verse 3. As far as we know, it's the last thing we hear from the apostle Paul before he goes to meet the Lord. It's 2 Timothy, and he says this in chapter 1 and verse 3. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day he said, I can say this Timothy to you with pure conscience. And I I've served the Lord with, 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 pure conscience. I've prayed for you and I can declare that. And my conscience is clear. He would go on to say in second Timothy chapter four in verses six through eight, he says, for I'm now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. And I I just, I want you to think about this. He's, he is just maybe even days away from, from meeting the Lord here. And he says, and he's speaking this way. He says, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only, but unto all them also, which love that love his appearing. You know, he talks about a crown of righteousness that he would receive and he, he goes on to say, you know, not it's not just for me, but it's for all of them also that love his appearing. Now again, I've made this clear. There's no entrance here for pride, I'm not talking about pride in any sort of way. But we think about the Lord giving crowns and giving rewards someday, and sometimes we kind of treat it like, you know, we'll be sitting there in the back of the room somehow how it happens kind of like you wringing our hands going oh i hope he calls me i hope he calls me i hope he calls me before he ever got there paul had a confidence that he was going to get it why because he made sure he kept a clean conscience here on this earth he made sure in other words he made sure that he walked worthy of the vocation wherewith he was called in ephesians chapter 4. He made sure that he lived with a clean conscience here on this earth before, before the Lord. And so he was able to check himself. It wasn't just a circumstantial thing where things are going good. And so I have confidence in the fact that things are going good. It was even when things are going bad, I have a confidence that I am right with the Lord. You know, sometimes we treat that concept like it's almost this unknowable thing. Listen, the Apostle Paul was a man just like you and I are. If he could know that he was right with the Lord, you can know that you're right with the Lord. I can know that I'm right with the Lord. If he could maintain that, then you and I can. So, but I'm not perfect. None of us are. The Apostle Paul wasn't perfect. I I believe that if the Apostle Paul were standing here preaching this message this evening, he would say that Acts chapter 23, verses 2, 3, and 4 is an example of him not being perfect. As a matter of fact, we can speculate if he was here preaching tonight, he might say that what happened in the previous chapters that led him to where he was at shows that he wasn't perfect, but God can work all things together for good, but he knew that he was right with the Lord in his heart and in his conscience. See, how do we do that? The Lord gives us a wonderful key and a wonderful promise. So far we've relied on things that the Holy Spirit used the Apostle Paul to pin, but Now we're going to go to the book of 1 John, a very familiar passage of Scripture. 1 John in chapter number 1 in verses 8 and 9, which I believe is written to save people. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And the Apostle Paul would say amen to that. Say, how do you know he would say amen to that? Because I've also read Romans chapter number 7 where Paul gave a personal testimony about about the struggle that he had in his flesh with sin. But then there's 1 John 1, 9 that says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know why when you as a parent, you walk into that room and the chi- that child is there and they're squirming. And you, don't, you as a parent don't know why they're squirming, but you know something went wrong. You know, for us as God's children, he always knows what went wrong. And we, get, we can be like that little child and we're squirming. We know it's not right, but you know what? You know God made it so simple to remedy the situation. He said this, confess it. And I guarantee you, I'll forgive it and cleanse you. I'll clean you up, and you know what? You move right along. Philippians chapter number three, Paul talked about this. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. A press toward the mark or the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You want to keep a clean conscience. Quit living in what God's already forgiven. Keep short accounts Go to him, confess it, claim him for what he, says, what he has said in his word, and then move forward. Use his word, use the, the the leading of the Holy Spirit through his word to make wise decisions about things that you should do to safeguard yourself and, and to help. But but when he has, when you have confessed it to him and you put, stop living in it. We're talking about when you it's amazing when you read about Paul's testimony and how he talks about what he was before he he got saved you think how could anybody go forward here's how he went forward he had a confidence in what God said in his word that God would forgive it and that God had forgiven it and so that when he stood here he was able to say I've lived in all good conscience before God until this day one day As he had progressed through and he's in a Roman prison and he's facing an executioner, he's able to say, I've fought a good fight. I've finished the course and I've kept the faith and now there's a reward waiting on me. Why, Paul, are you just pompous and arrogant? No, no, anybody can have it. And how do you do so? Well, you just stay right with God through your life. Don't ignore him working through your conscience. Don't keep it, keep short accounts. Claim the promises of God's word and then move forward in his power, asking and trusting him to help you tomorrow just as he has helped you today. I'm glad the Apostle Paul helped, was helped by the Lord. But I'm also glad the Lord of the Apostle Paul can help us as we call upon him and we trust him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day.